Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names, and now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is with Andrew Polk, who may or may not be a household name to you, but he has been a working actor in the New York scene for for decades. This guy actually just made his Broadway debut at the age of 54 in, in the band's visit, and he was Avram. Um, just this wonderful role, very comedic role. But if you you Google him or IMDb him or IBDB him, um, you'll see he's just been cast over time as like the bad guy, the dark guy. He's on he's in Billions right now. Um, he plays the sidekick to Alan Cummings in Instinct. He just has this career where he's just worked and worked and. Like I said, he's got these really dramatic roles on his resume, but he's really funny and a really personable guy um, on the outside. And um, it's just kind of it's interesting. He tells a story in the episode of basically through kind of luck a little bit, he fell into the band's visit, and it allowed him to make his Broadway debut at age 54, like I said. So an incredible story, a great conversation. Before we get going, as always, I encourage you to visit me online at thetheaterpodcast.com or ttp.fm for short. Please show your support. Patrons have allowed me to start adding transcriptions for the most popular episodes. So I'm going back on the website and, and getting all that taken care of. So thank you to those who have been supporting the podcast so far. You can check out the benefit tiers via ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Now, everyone, please enjoy this episode with Andrew Polk. Here you go. One, two, three. Currently co-starring on Alan Cummings' Instinct on CBS as Alan's wacky sidekick, he just finished his Emmy-winning run as Avram in The Band's Visit on Broadway. He is also in the midst of roles on Showtime's Billions and City on a Hill, in addition to Amazon's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He's the Broadway guy on pretty much every television show, including past appearances on some of my favorites, 30 Rock, Law & Order, The Closer, The Blacklist, Person of Interest, The Good Wife, Madam Secretary, House of Cards, and so many more that I had to leave off because we'd be here all day. <laughs> Andrew Polk, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for coming out. Uh, so so tell me from the very beginning, let's start with, with Little Andy. Little Andy. Little Andy, where did, where did you get into performing? What little, were little Andy was an annoying show-off, and, uh, and my parents didn't know what to do with me, pretty much. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I did a lot of different things, but really when I, I, I discovered... That this is what I wanted to do was uh, I grew up in San Francisco, and they have a professional theater company there called the American Conservatory Theater, and mm-hmm. they they had a, a program for high school students. So after school, I would take a bus into San Francisco from Berkeley, where I lived, a couple times a week, and just take classes. And I was just that was it. And my mom, who didn't want me to be an actor, she just didn't know what to do with me because I was just I was constantly putting on shows and imitating people and. I think she just, out of desperation, got me into some kind of acting class, and 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 and, and um, unfortunately for her, it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't she want you to be an actor? I don't know. You know, I think she. You know, I think she always wanted me to be anything but like a lawyer. I think she. I was a musician at one point. She wanted me to pursue music. Um, so 
I never listened to my mom, so it all worked out. And what did your, your dad want you to do? My dad didn't care. He was fine. He was pretty supportive. They were both supportive, ultimately. You know, um, but it didn't matter. You know, it, really, it didn't matter. I, I was going to do what I was going to do. Right. Yeah. I, we were talking about kids a second ago before we started recording, and and yeah, my kids are little. I I feel like you know I'll give them the advice at some point of you know whatever the modern version of like you should be a doctor or a lawyer is, right. which you know now is probably be a programmer, learn how to write some code. But yeah. if but me being so into theater as much as I am, right. it's inevitable they're gonna try something. I know, isn't it funny? Because like my daughter right now, she wants to be an astrophysicist, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> but I know that she's just gonna end up being screenwriter or something. You know, what I mean, or she, but she's gonna direct movies <laughs> just the way I just. That's probably inevitable. Both of my wife. Zoe, who's a wonderful playwright, and I'm an actor. You know, what, what do you think we're going to make? Astrophysicists? I mean, it's possible. But so, some kids, they're like, I see the struggle my parents go through, and there's uh, no way I want to do that. So they, they do uh, go be the doctor. Yeah. I don't know. Parenting's funny. It's just, uh, I, I feel like my challenge is to try to get out of their way and just let them th- not mess them up too much. That's, I'm going to take that as advice, actually. I, well, that's, that's what I'm learning. You know, like uh, what I learned is, I started to figure out that they don't listen to anything you say. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Yeah. But they watch what you do very carefully. So they, they see me, for instance, doing the band's visit and leaving every day, which is hard for them. But they see me doing it for something I love. You know, that's an action that that's gonna, I think will stick with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. My dad left every day to do something that he loved. You know what I mean? What did he do? Huh? What did he me. do? I'm talking about me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what they'll yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And well, what did you get when you were a kid? What did you get out of performing? What was it that really spoke to you about being the show-off? I mean, do you, thinking I, back as an adult? Yeah, it's funny uh, how the nature of what you do uh, tends to change a little bit. But definitely, the, you know, the appeal was to become someone else. I just loved it. I loved escaping into other people and doing all the things I could do to do that. You know, I was always pretty good with accents and, you know, I, I liked all the external things, you know, just to be someone else and all the craft that went into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, it takes a lot of work. And, and okay, so you went, to, you went to Tufts University. I did. Which is in Massachusetts. It is. Which is, I, I, there's performing yeah. in Massachusetts. I guess it's close enough to New York. Well, you know, my, my parents, and I, I, I applied to some drama schools too out of high school and got in and, or, or more like well-known theater places like NYU. But I, I went to Tufts and I'm so glad I did because it, you know, I really wanted to get a good education and they happened to have a very small but really good uh, drama department. So, I mean, I, I, I ended up going uh, to college with these amazing people like Hank Azaria and Oliver, really? Oliver Platt. Bob Krakauer, Joel Bischoff, you know, yeah. people who are really active and successful in the business now. We had this incredible small group. Um, and I just, what that allowed me to do is I just did four or five plays every single year. And I learned a few things, took classes, but basically I was in that drama department really just doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's some value to that, you know. Yeah, well, you were working working hard, and then out of that got a a, a Fulbright scholarship. Yep. Right, so you went over to London yeah. at the Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Arts. Yes, 
what what happened at that point? Like, how did you get that? And then how did that change your trajectory? Did it did it at all? You know, or? I don't uh, don't know if it changed my trajectory. My trajectory is my trajectory. I I I, uh, I you know I didn't get into Yale. That you know I didn't have much of a plan. My plan was get into Yale drama school, and then I don't know. And then I heard <laughs> about. Um, uh, that there was a Fulbright scholarship for, for performing artists in London. I thought, well, great. And I, I just, I'm so grateful I got that because it was a full ride and, and uh, all, you know, all expenses paid and a stipend. And I got this great British theater training, which was different than I think I would have gotten here, which is quite physical, quite um, rigorous, mm-hmm. kind of external-based, I'd say, uh, classical theater training. And... Um, um, and then I, and when I was ready, I, I'm like, I'm ready to come back. And I got very lucky when I got back. I got a job right away. But uh, it really prepped me for the rigors of theater, you know, which, which is mm-hmm. to, if you're lucky enough to be working in a big theater for a long time, you really needed those physical tools that I, that I got. So that was great. Well, in, in London, too, I, I think the musicals are not as big over there, right? So yeah, they want they want the drama, they want the straight yeah. plays, they want you know well, intellectual. It's a whole other thing too, you know, like a, such a tradition of theater there. When I was there, you could see go to the National Theater and see a play with Ian McKellen for five pounds. Yeah, and it was amazing. I saw everything, and there was a. I remember seeing Shakespeare at the Royal Shakespeare uh, Company, and um, you know, um, with sold out audiences and people gasping and hanging on every word that was being said because they know it. You know, they know these plays inside out. And that was such a great thing for me to experience, you know. Wow. Yeah, so then coming back here, um, I mean, I read off, I read off so many of your, of your TV shows in the intro there. Um, coming back here, did you, were you trying to go back into theater at that point? Or how did TV sort of fall in your lap? Honestly, the TV stuff, and I'm really grateful for it. Has and I've been really busy doing it for the last, but it's really been only the last, mainly the last ten years um, that I started, uh, for whatever reason, coming into my own on on on, on film and TV. Uh, I definitely went for. Uh, uh, I moved to New York, and I was, I wanted to do theater. You know, mm-hmm. um, TV at the time. You may not know you're, you're a young guy. There was no TV here. It was Law and Order. I mean, that was it. There's and now there's 67 shows being shot here. So the business, <laughs> the business has changed here in terms yeah. of the film production, which is fantastic. But back then there wasn't much, and so really it was theater, and that's what I did um, when I could, you know. So uh, what what year was that when you came back? Do you remember? 19. <laughs> was, uh, I came back. Well, I came. I came. I I, I came back in 1985. Yeah, and that's when I got Biloxi Blues, right? Right when I came back. Right. So, so eighty-five yeah. to twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen was your Broadway debut. Yeah. So I am an overnight success. Clearly, <laughs> I, uh, took me thirty some years to get here, but yeah, I know, I know, and it's the craziest thing too because I, I, I mean, if you were to tell me as little as three years ago that I would be, you know, you know, have a principal role in a 10-time Tony Award musical where I have my own number and I'm dancing and singing. I would be laughing at you because that's just 
not where things were headed. Right. And so, you know, it's been the craziest ride. Well, out of everything I, I read off at the beginning, 30 Rock mm-hmm. was the only, I think, yeah, the only com- like true comedy that, that was in my opening spiel here. Yeah. But um, like you were funny in the band's visit. <laughs> but on TV, you're not cast as like the funny guy. You're, you're this dramatic, you know, really serious, serious guy. Yeah. Serious guy. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I can do a lot of different things. I mean, uh, instinct is, is pretty funny. I think. I mean, he's a he's an eccentric, weird guy. I mean, who wouldn't be your coroner? You know what I mean? Right. But uh, um, that's that's comedic, and, and it's maybe a subtle way. But you're right, and I think it has something to do with the, the kind of shows that are being shot here. Um, there aren't a lot of. I mean, I'm doing marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and that's a comedy. Um, and whether I'm funny or not, that's entirely up to you to judge. But <laughs> I, uh, I, is it a comedic role in, in is, Maisel? Yeah. 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 So, so you're finally you're like morphing into this new chapter of your life. Now. I, I I hope so. I I you know there I like to be funny. Think I'm funny sometimes. I don't feel funny now, but after this coffee, I will be funnier. <laughs> I, uh, um, but uh, you know, honestly, I think I think it, it's a good observation. I think there's there's not a lot of comedy shot here, if you think about it. A lot of it's done in L.A. Um, and that's and I'm here, so. Yeah, but uh, do you do you like comedy more than drama, or just whatever pays the bills at this point? Well, you know, it's so funny because uh, when you're talking about the differences in those two things in theater, it's a much different deal than on TV and film. It's it's weird because in TV and film, you just there's no immediate feedback. You just it could be funny if the editing is good and the writing is good, yeah. and, and it and you know it's in the right hands, but you don't know. That's a, that's a good point too, because editing you can edit the comedy out of a funny bit if you're not edited, absolutely, right? or if, vice versa, right? Um, the guys at uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, they're absolute geniuses at it. You know, they 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 know exactly how to make it funny in a in a cinematic way. So, right? Yeah, the timing. I mean, timing is pretty much everything in comedy. Absolutely, timing t- t- timing is everything, and uh, uh, so. Yeah, I mean, and, but you get that immediate, you know, that immediate hit when you're in theater. It's just so great. And, of course, it's nothing like a well-earned laugh mm-hmm. on stage. And so you came back, you came back in 85, and then you were, you were working. But did you, do you consider yourself, like, having to struggle at all, or were you just consistently going from gig to gig for, for the next little while? No, I definitely were some struggles there. I mean, I always worked pretty consistently, but... Um, I, I, you know, I think maybe the hardest part was uh, I got a job right away out of drama school, and it was to do the national tour of Biloxi Blues, mm-hmm. which I did with Neil Simon and Gene Sachs and these amazing guys. And I thought, wow, what's the big deal? It's not that hard, you know. Everyone's talking about how hard it is to be an actor. I, I'm making more money than my dad, and so I thought it's not so hard. It's great. And then, of course. I came back to New York after that tour was over, and no one knew who I was, and I didn't know anybody, and I had to really start over. But I had kind of a, I don't want to say an attitude, but maybe I did. You know, just like, I I just thought there was something coming to me, and there wasn't. You know, I had to start at the beginning. I had to make my contacts. I had to to really figure out who was who and do workshops and meetings and, and find my theater community where I could, you know, stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I ultimately did that, but you know, that was a hard time to really find my bearings, you know, get my bearings in New York. It took a couple of years and then I did. Um, did you have survival jobs during this time? Or oh were yeah, you, yeah. Were you, you were Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I was a waiter for three days before they fired me. <laughs> Where? Oh my God. Do you remember? Yeah. But it's kind of, well, I, I, I was like, after the, after the tour, I, I, I was like, just, I was like saved all this money and I, I was like running through it because I just went out to eat all the time. And I went, yeah. hmm. So maybe going out to eat all the time is too expensive. So but maybe I need a job or something. So I went and got a waiter job down the street at this place called Louise's. And one of the things you had to do was make your own desserts. Yeah. And I remember this, this one thing, this raspberry swirl I was supposed to make. A little nice vanilla raspberry pattern you, the waiters had to make. Oh, yeah. I worked at Ruby Tuesday for a hot month, and uh -huh. we made our own desserts, okay. too. Yeah, yeah. So I might have I've had some anger issues at the moment, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I brought these really annoying, it was a very sort of entitled group of yuppie people, and um, I wasn't digging them, and they asked for the raspberry swirl, and they kinda, I kind of was sloppy with the swirl. I kind of went... You know, I, I just made a mess of it, kind of, I suppose. And I brought it to this guy, and this guy looked at me and said, um, excuse me, it's supposed to be a raspberry swirl. <laughs> this is not a swirl. And I told him what to do right there. And um, I told him where he could go. And um, uh, I got fired right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was the last time I waited tables. I had a, I did, and then I got into, um, I had this great job at a law firm um, where I pretended I knew how to um, uh, program. Um, so they, they the asked, basic? Uh, I don't know, it, 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 word processing back oh, yeah. then. And it was doing macros and stuff like that. And they wanted to know, could I do macros? Because they had to send out these very complicated documents all the time. And I'm like, Yeah. And so I had no idea how to do it. And I asked the guy who was leaving the job how to do it. And he told me. And that lasted like years because, and they were amazing because I could just leave to do a job, come back. They gave me a laptop. I, I did it on the road. Wow. It became a good survival job. I started a theater company. And I was still able to kind of do what they needed me to do. Um, and so that was a, a really good survival job. So I did have some of those. That's fun. Oh, yeah, so we're going to talk about your your theater company in a little bit, but I want to talk about Bands Visit, sure. the Bands Visit right now. So obviously, um, won the Tony for Best Musical last year, twenty eighteen. Yes, it did, and that that was phenomenal. I saw it. I saw it with all the original cast. So of course, yeah, I, right. I saw you in it. Um, do you, I mean like so? Like I said a second ago, you made your Broadway debut. I think at the age of fifty four, if my math is correct, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So do do you feel that it it was I mean, you see these kids making their Broadway debuts in their 20, 20s, sure. like late 20s. And I think it was, the, I think this morning I read a tweet from Jessica Vosk, you know, former, uh, she was in, just left Wicked, saying that she made her debut at 30, I believe. And huh. she was like, you can do it. You can keep going. And it's right. never too late. But that's 30. 30, yeah. That's a, she's a child. <laughs> yeah. So you made yours at 54. What, I know. Why did, what made you keep going? Did, and did you ever, like, did, I guess what I'm saying is, like, did you ever sort of just put that out of, like, oh, I guess this is not going to happen? Well, I was, you know, over the last, you know, good while, I've been doing a lot of TV and film, and that, that's been sort of, that's been great, you know, and I've been um, making my living doing that. And you're right, 
I think the idea that I would be on Broadway was something I always wanted to do seems so um, remote that I kind of stopped thinking about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's so perfect, the band's visit, the way it happened, because it was so weird and out of the blue how it happened, how I got the job. How'd you, you get know? it? I, I was at, um, a friend of mine who works at the Atlantic Theater Company, and, mm-hmm. she, and she was gathering a bunch of sort of TV-ish actors to just sit around the table and read the new version of the book for Itamar Moses of the band's visit. And I knew Itamar because I'd actually hired him a couple times to work at my theater company and love him. And um, David Cromer was there who I'm a, I was just a huge fan of David's work. So I said, sure, you know, and I went and it was just sitting around the table with wonderful actors, but they weren't musical theater actors. And I think they did that on purpose because I think they don't want anyone in the reading to have any designs on the future of, you know, they just wanted a good read. Right, right. And all of a sudden, and I didn't even know it was a musical. I didn't, I thought, I didn't, I, I honestly didn't know. And in the middle of reading uh, this thing, this bald guy had a boombox and um, he started, every once in a while, press the boombox and songs would play. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a musical. And that was David Yazbek. Wow. And um, he was just, you know, had demoed some of the songs and was just, shoving him in there to see how it would fit with the new book. Mm-hmm. So we read it, went well, and then as I left, David Cromer said, do you, do you sing? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I can do macros. I can do macros. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I sing. And so um, I, there ensued four, I think four auditions where they really, I just, they put me through the ringer. Well, what was it like? What were they? I, I well, I had to do you know learn the song and do the sides, but then I had to bring in an instrument, and I, I happened to play the cello, so I boned up on the cello, you know, and had a nice little Vivaldi that I had prepared for them, and I played the cello, sang my song, did my sides, my scene. I was so proud of my cello playing when they asked me to do that, and I thought it went really well. I asked if they wanted to hear anything else, and then David Yazbek said. No. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, uh, I learned later he's a cellist, of course, on top of everything else that he can do brilliantly. And then the final coup de grace was um, they stuck me in a room for an hour with the musical director, Andrea Grody, just me and her. And she took me through, I think, every vocal exercise that had been invented. Just, I mean, they were kicking the tires. And um, I guess it went well because uh, I got it. Did you have to do the accent at that time? Yeah. And your your wife is Israeli, right? My wife is Israeli. But she ended up being the dialect coach for the Com- show. I know, completely separately. I honestly had nothing to do with that, that other people had referred her to the producers uh, uh, separately. Um, but I, it did mean that I got a lot of notes at home. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's a tough accent. Um and I consider myself really good at accents, but that one was hard. But once you get it, yeah, I was yeah. I was watching something you you had online explaining the accent while you were in the show, and and it didn't occur to me that it is very French sounding. And you were talking about that, but it's it's almost French, but not French. I know. I had a funny conversation with Meryl Streep. Sorry, name dropping, but I did. She came back to see the show, and I was so blown away that she was there, and she started talking to me about the accent. She's like, I said, you know, you should play an Israeli sometime. She said, oh, I don't know, that accent's so hard. 
I went, I'm thinking, you're Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? You can do it. But I said, so we had this conversation about how it is kind of French mm-hmm. to the ear, but it's not really. It's, it's a combination of things that, you know, to the untrained ear, it sounds French, but it's not. Does your wife have an accent? No. No? No, no. She she's, doesn't have an accent at all. So you, so you don't, I guess what I was saying, you don't hear it all the time at home. Well, yeah, but I hear it. I hear it. Like, I'm about, I'm about to go to Israel in a week and a half, and uh, we go often because her whole family is there. Right. So I will hear it, quite a bit of it. Do you ever do it for them? And they're like, That's you're funny. horrible. You're horrible. You can't no, do that. No, they're like, yeah, it's very good. You uh, sound uh, like you are from here. So it's good. <laughs> and I had one guy say, uh, one guy, Israeli guy came who I know. He said, Andy, you know, I see you in the band's visit and you, uh, you look uh, so uh, macho, you know, and uh, you're not macho. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's very, that's very Israeli, by the way. They just tell it like it is. <laughs> you're not macho. Well, you're all right. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, the the yeah, the body language in the character Avram was very. He's like an aggressive guy, right? Yeah, there's a there's a there's funny. I got a lot of input. I, I took a lot of stuff from like some of my relatives, my father in law. There's this one politician that I love. His name is Yair Lapid, and um, he's actually running, I think, on a ticket uh, in the upcoming elections. But he's like, I actually ended up. Con- um, just coincidentally, when I was there working out with the dude at a local gym, and he's like a TV personality. He's uh, he's just got an aggressive way of being. He just stands there like a bull. So I thought, bull, that's good. A bull is a good, you know, physical uh, vocabulary mm-hmm. for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, I think that I incorporated some of that stuff into the into Avram. Yeah, yeah Avram, Avram, he was he was all over the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In yeah. a good way. Yeah, you know, there's no, you know, there's, I love the Israelis because they're just not, uh, there's just, they're just tell it like it is. They're just, no, there's no, it's almost like they didn't get the subtle, polite class in school. You know, there's just no pretense about them and um, it makes me love them. What about stage door feedback? Did you did oh, you get a lot God. of interesting comments? I got a lot of interesting comments. I got a lot of Israelis coming up to me, starting to speak to me in Hebrew, which was a big compliment. Yeah. A, a, I don't speak Hebrew, much to the disappointment of my wife. B, um, it was a compliment to me because they thought I was I was uh, credible enough that I was going to start blabbing to them in Hebrew. Sounded like a real accent. And I would have to say, I don't speak Hebrew. They're like, oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, screw this guy. Um, Exactly. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. I got, you know, that that whole stage door, if you you haven't been on Broadway for so long like me, and then you all of a sudden get on Broadway, the whole stage door scene is is such a trip. It was such an unexpected... um, uh, experience every night packed, uh, you know, outside of, with young people, you know, I, and I love that. And and some people would say, you know, you have a beautiful voice. I'm like, you know, never in my life would I think I would be hearing something like that, you know, or, you know, very nice to hear um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I guess it's interesting that the show, uh, I wouldn't have expected it to speak to young people. Me neither. 
as as much as I guess my my age and older. I'm 38, right? And it and it because it it has more of a worldly sense to it than just like a singing and dancing musical. I think there's a there's a an element of of just I think there's just a there's a lot of young people out there who are just turned on by musicals. Yeah. And it may not be just the band's visit. It's just that I got the sense that of, a, of excitement by a lot of young people, which did surprise me too, for being part of a musical, you know? I went to see it because I just wanted to see Tony Shalhoub because I knew him from Wings. Right. Like that's, wow. that's, wow. that was what, where I came from. Right. I was like, right. oh, I just want to see Tony. That, yeah, he's a great actor. You know, of course, Wings and then Monk and other Monk. things. Yeah. Yeah, he, and he, you know, he's the, uh, when I grow up, I want to be like Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> just an absolute gem. Yeah, he and Katrina. Uh, oh, both of them. Yeah. So, such nice people, it seems. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so very cool. And then on the TV and film side, um, you're Freddie, Freddie Eisen. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Eisen, yeah? On Showtime's Billions. So now yeah. you're working with Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Because this character is Paul's lawyer. I'm like his the, Michael Cohen. It, it, it seems like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Paul Giamatti, uh, nice guy to work with? Again, yeah. another gem of a human being. Like, And I'm not, I, I'm not making it up. Just an absolute sweetheart, generous, talented, super hard worker. Um, you know, I have nothing but praise for that guy. You know, uh, just in the way he works with you and, and just... Just a, a just a great guy. I've I, I envy I envy those situations where you get to work with somebody who's known for being so good. Because like when I used to perform, I would prepare my own sides, especially a dialogue. I would prepare yeah. I, and kind of, especially when I'm just memorizing things and I'm, I'm not working off of somebody. I in my mind have a have a way that they're responding to me, and sure. then I'm responding to that. And then, of course, when you get in, in person, you don't want to assume. You want to live in the moment. But then somebody like a Merrill or a Paul Giamatti or somebody just brings these things that you would have never occurred, never occurred to you. Right. I, I envy being in those situations where you're just like, holy shit, this is why they are so good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, 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 I think he's brilliant, and he works his tush off. I, I can tell you, I can tell you firsthand because we, you know, whenever there was a spare minute, and there were many. <laughs> he would come up to me. He's like, "You want to run? You want to run things? Let's run it. Let's run it again." You know me. I'll just keep running. Let's just keep running it. We would run lines for fourteen hours. You know. Wow. So he's constantly working. I have a lot of admiration for him, and I, I agree with you. I think he's he's one of those guys who just brings something something different that keeps it interesting. Yeah, and then okay, so then in in Mrs. Maisel, but that, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to oh. say one thing. It's just. That show was really interesting because I was a huge, you know, my wife and I are, we were binging that show. We were like totally into that show. And then I got on it. You know, I've never had that experience before. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm in the show now, but I'm really a fan of the show. I'm like, I, I kind of want to know what's going to happen right. as much as anybody. So now you get the script, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't say anything, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> do, your, do your kids know kind of what's going on? How old are they now? Uh, eight and five. No, they're, I'm a constant disappointment. Unless I get on something like, uh, I don't know, Sesame Street. I mean, uh, uh, these shows I'm on are so adult. You know, they're yeah. just like, uh, they saw the band's visit. They, I think, understood most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was cool. But, um, you know, TV and film, I think I auditioned for some big child uh, show voiceover recently. And 
my daughter wanted to know if I got that. That all she cared about. And when I said no, I didn't. She was like, oh, when are you going to get on the show? Kids, dad. So that's. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. They're not old enough to like even be allowed to watch something with a lot of sex or murder no, or. No, know. no, 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 no. They can't see any of the shows I'm on. You know, instinct, funny show, but all I do is talk about the dead bodies I'm looking at. Right. So maybe not, not for the kids. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, gosh. Yeah, so you're, you're, all, you're just like going away and not, do, not getting on kid shows right now. No wonder. Yeah. <laughs> they think, they're like, Daddy, I don't see you on TV. What are you doing with oh, your Oh, you know, just, just tell them something. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can watch, can they watch Maisel? Except for the, I guess the I, first I swear like a, I swear like a sailor on that show. Do you? Yeah. Well, I guess That's not then. All I do is scream at, scream at Alex Bornstein, you know. Yeah. Drop the F-bomb the whole time. Oh, that's another great one, too. Yeah, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, gosh. She's I, great. I, yeah, but, but working with her would be fun. Um, Love her. She's so great. All and, my stuff is with her, yeah. And then you've got, you've got a, it looks like you've got a good relationship with CBS, too. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess, right? I yeah. mean, they haven't fired me yet, mm. so that's good. Yeah, CBS owns Showtime. Right. Right. Is it the same casting director or directors nope. that kind of do everything? or how? Well, there's a, there's a wonderful guy named um, Mark Sachs who does a lot of the CBS shows who, um, who brings me in. And uh, I booked a lot of CBS shows, which is great. And, uh, but the Showtime stuff, no, varies. Let me say, I, 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 they, they have different, different people for the mm-hmm. Showtime. But CBS owns Showtime. Right. Right, but I guess if they're not talking to each other, then it's... You'd like to think there's a grand plan. Like, it'd it'd be fun to think, ah, CBS is talking about me. They're like, (laughs) yeah, let's get them on all these shows. But I wonder if there really is a grand plan or if it's just um, worked out that way. Yeah. Well, you've got, like, tons and tons of credit. I mean, you've been working forever. (laughs) And then you've you've even, you know, paid your dues in New York and you've been on Law & Order. I've been on Law & Order. That's no longer a badge of honor, but it used to be. Um, yeah. Um, Were you dead body number three on yeah. Law and & Order? And then House of, Car- and House of Cards. Which House of Cards, too. Two yeah. years, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so you've got, you've got a good run on TV. Are you continuing down that path? Or are you still, do you even have time to audition for theater at this point? You know, there have been some, since the end of the band's visit, there have been some theater opportunities, which I'm very fortunate to have, that I've passed on just because at right now, I, I'm definitely open to the right thing, um, but uh, you know, after doing the band's visit for the better part of three years, it, it has to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my wife might divorce me. Um, and, uh, and so, the answer to your question is, yeah, I'm going to continue down all paths. I think there are things I want uh, to have happen in terms of television and film, and love to see some of these characters. Uh, develop because I'm having so much fun doing these different characters and um, continue to do more of that. And if the right theater opportunity shows up, then I, I, I remain open. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it's like, I'm old enough now to have known that, that you know, you, you, once you start having rigid plans about what you want to do, you got to be open to the thing you don't expect to happen. Perfect example, band's visit. You know what I mean? That just really came out of nowhere. Yeah, it just fell in your lap. In a way. And, and are you still involved with 
with your so your theater, the Cape Cod Theater Project, right? Right. I yeah. founded that. Yeah. So are you st- are you still involved with that? I am not. I ran it for seventeen years uh, in the summers, and and uh, a wonderful guy, director named Hal Brooks. He runs it. And I was on the board for many years, and I'm still on the advisory board. So I'm involved, but not mm-hmm. running it anymore. Well, what, what is that? So 17, 17 years you ran it. So yeah. when did you actually found it? 19, I want to say 1995. That sounds about right. And it was, I was a member of Circle Rep Company. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of those people, like Michael Warren Powell and Lanford Wilson and um, Marshall Mason, you know, William Esper, Craig Lucas, uh, not William Esper, um, William Hoffman, Craig Lucas, uh, Paula Vogel, they were all it's sort of around where I am when I was there. And we used a lot of them to just help found it um, up on Cape Cod to develop new plays because that's what I knew how to do from Circle Rep. Mm-hmm. And I used a lot of these actors too, like some great actors, like Amy Ryan and, you know, a lot, a lot of people started that with me that mm-hmm. were really terrific. And we started it, I mean, literally had no idea what I was doing. And me and this other uh, wonderful actor, Jim Burkita, started it. And it was immediately successful. And, um, you know, we developed all these, these four plays one summer. And then we realized, what do we do now? We got to keep doing it every year. And we did. We just kept. Is it original plays or were you? New plays, developing new plays. No um, kidding. For instance, the Cape Cod Theater Project developed what the Constitution means to me and Hillary and Clinton. No kidding. Two shows that made it to Broadway this year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they've developed, I don't know, it's got to be like, they just did their 25th year this summer, and uh, they've got to have developed like 80 plays or something like that over the, all the years. How, do you, how did you... Did, I get, how did you choose what you wanted to work on? Did you, I mean, did you find like Heidi Schreck or did she come to you and say, I've got this idea? I'm not going to take credit for that. That's Hal Brooks who did that. And um, he's now the artistic director. Um, yeah, you, you solicit certain plays. You have an opportunity to read a, a lot of unsolicited plays if you want, but that's a rough road to go down because it's thousands of plays mm-hmm. possibly. So I would usually read three, 400 plays a year to choose four. Wow. Um, and a lot of them I would solicit. Certainly a lot of the agents would solicit you mm-hmm. and pitch you. And uh, it was a combination of what relationships you had with directors and writers and playwrights. And uh, you develop relationships with certain writers. So I would have a lot of repeat um, playwrights. Mm-hmm. You had Annie Baker up there, Paula Vogel, you know. Yeah. We, had, um, we had a lot of great writers. That's that's really really cool and, and great actors. That's great. And you're still do you still teach too? Because you were you're teaching at NYU and in AADA American Academy right. of Dramatic Arts. Right. I've taken a little break from teaching, so I'm not right now. But I was up until until right before the band's visit, and then I, it was too much. It was just too much with the, with the theater and the and the television. I, it was, and the kids and the kids. Yeah. Yeah, you still want to have a home life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So right now, <laughs> right now I'm not. I, I, I do uh, some private coaching, but, mm-hmm. but, but really no. What would you teach? Just acting or auditions? Or uh, I did both. I, uh, I did a lot of audition technique, um, teaching that, and I also taught, um, I, I ta- taught um, acting as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that. 
But you do have a new TV series in development. Yes, I do. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, I, uh, I've written something that um, hopefully I'm going to be, uh, it's in development and it's going to be produced soon, a web series. Uh, it's, well, it's written as a web series. It's called The Dog Park. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's about the people at dog parks, not the dogs themselves. In fact, the dogs are never seen. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So it's always shot from the waist up. Yeah, or they're you know you get you get you know jerked out of frame by a by a by a dog leash, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> or a slobbery ball will hit you in the head. Yeah. But you won't actually. It, it's really about the really um, unique, strange, funny, sometimes poignant relationships that you develop at these parks with the people. You have the, dogs. And, Is that where yeah, it came from? Yeah. Yeah, and you have these, and there are these rules. Um, really funny rules that people, they're unwritten ones and sometimes they're written ones, but what, you know, what to do at a dog park. And some people take on like leadership roles in the park, like they're the mayor of the park. You know what I mean? Some people are um, really strange. Or, and, but also I've, I've developed like really close relationships at the park. And you're, I mean, you're a dad. I, I spend more time walking my dog than I do with my children sometimes. Yeah. And so that's weird. What's yeah. that about? Yeah. But, uh, but uh, and he's not a very good conversationalist either. So it's not, um, so that's what it's about. So it's really funny and, um, and uh, in a kind of a, I don't know, maybe a curb your enthusiasm girls kind of understated, right. quirky way. Are you, are you in it or just writing, producing? Um, I think I'm going to be in it, but I'm open. If Brad Pitt wants to play my role, he can do it. <laughs> in the story of your life <laughs> Brad Pitt would play yeah. <laughs> alright um, so let's uh, let's wrap up here and I will go to my three standard closing questions that I ask every guest on the podcast the first okay. of which is just very simply what motivates you what motivates me is uh, hmm, what a good question the joy of the work really when you, in terms of work, what motivates me is um, things that are funny and things that are true, and um, that's what makes me want to do a project and um, something that is true, something that has a hint of of its own voice. Okay. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Um, I would advise everyone to not listen to anybody. <laughs> and if this is something you are, that you really, really feel that you must do and you have a passion for it, just do it. And don't, there's, a, there's just a lot of voices out there. There were for me um, of people telling you how or what you cannot do. Um, and to the extent you can block all those voices out and focus on a positive part of what you love about your work, I think the more successful you'll be. Um, there is no way to, there's no formula. For instance, I don't think I'm better now than I was when I was 30. I'm certainly working so much more than I was. I, it just may be my time. I don't know. But 
there's you know there's there's certainly no formula that by by two years if you haven't done blah 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 you should blah 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 I just don't think it works that way mm-hmm. I think you um walk down the road and don't look at all the shiny objects just keep your focus all right so then lastly if you could only see one show for the rest of your life but you can see it as many times as you want what oh, would you see that's a good question one show if i could see one show oh god what was my, so many shows i i think it would be amadeus that might be my favorite show of all that's I, a that's a new one a new one for for the podcast. Is it? Is? Yeah, no one said that before. I'm going to go with Amadeus. Cool. All right. So um, as far as I know, you're not very active on social. Uh, you do have I'm a Twitter pathetic, account. Pathetic. I know. I'm supposed to be better. So on Twitter, yeah, you're... I have accounts. I'm there. I just... Twitter is the one with the words and Instagram is the one with the pictures, right? Yes, yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, have your, have your kids... Tell you, tell okay. you what to do I'm there. Sure, my daughter. <laughs> okay. You can find more of uh, more of these episodes at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I'm on social at theater underscore podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a rating and a review when you hear this. It helps everybody out. This is produced by Jillian Hockman, edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And finally, thanks to Andrew Polk for being on the podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. This was fun. (laughs) It was. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.